Well, the US-Europe divide seems to be getting wider than ever. The US had a surprisingly strong services ISM read. So does that mean the Fed needs to work harder? Liz Truss is now the UK Prime Minister and is talking about a freeze on energy costs, which would calm inflation, but only after massive government spending. So does that make inflation worse? We'll look at the big fall in the yen overnight. The RBA yesterday, GDP numbers for Australia today, the Bank of Canada tonight, China's trade data. There is so much going on. It is Wednesday, the 7th of September, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, big moves on bond yields today. 10-year treasuries are up 15 basis points, up over 3.3%. UK 10-year gilt yields rose 16 basis points to 3.09%. Two-year yields, interestingly, fell a couple of basis points. We'll look at why that is today. The US dollar has risen a fair bit. It's up 0.7% on the DXY index. The euro is down almost 0.3%, well below parity now at 99 US cents. The Aussie dollar has lost more than 0.9%. It's down to 67.3 US cents now. Not much movement in the pound though but the japanese yen down 1.6 percent more than that earlier hitting a 24-year low on u.s equities the direction continues downwards we've got a three quarters of a percent fall in the nasdaq at close a 0.6 percent drop in the down 0.4 percent down for the s&p 500 it fell below 3,900 for a while back up above it just now uh, european equities meanwhile are up the dax is up 0.9 percent the Eurostox 50 is up 0.3 percent and quite a fall in brent crude down more than three and a quarter percent to below 92.60 a barrel wti holding just around 86.80 just below it uh, so big moves suggesting inflation isn't beaten here's nabs rodrigo Cotrill in sydney uh, how much of this actually comes in the u.s from the ism non-manufacturing pmi for for august it came in at 56.9 better than expected and up on july so we're not seeing any slowdown just yet and significantly new orders were up from august up to 61.8 uh, up from 59.9 it's the highest number of the year so far higher than january when there was no war in ukraine so all of this is suggesting that there's no slowdown there's more work for the fed to do isn't it <laughs> morning phil i think that's exactly right uh, the, the market was bracing for a softer number um, um also bearing in mind that you know we had those pmi readings that were suggesting a, a bit de- a big decline was 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 actually likely and and yet we we had this uh increase in the reading which uh, as you say suggests that the, the the services sector is actually in in root health um and and those details also suggesting that um uh, the, the move has momentum and and therefore mm. a solid number should be expected uh over coming months given those new orders tend to be a good leading indicator so Overall, um, it's, it's kind of that classic case, I think you were referring to it last week, of, of good news being bad news, in a sense, uh, yeah. because it does mean that the, the Fed still has a lot of work to do. Uh, and indeed, we, we've seen that being reflected in, in the move up in, in U.S. Treasury yields. Um, yeah. which so does that mean a said, 75 basis point rise is back on the table now for the next meeting? Yes, I think so. Uh, it's definitely back on the table in terms of pricing expectations, uh, as well as, you know, in terms of the rationale of what Fed uh, Chair Powell uh, told us at, at Jackson Hole. Um, you know, the, the job is not yet done and there's a lot more to do. Um, and, and certainly uh, front loading these rate hikes, uh, which is the theme uh, among all central banks at the moment, is, it definitely looks like the, the medicine for, for the US economy. Yeah, and it's playing havoc with the yen, of course, because of uh, you know the, the different approaches by the central banks. Uh, they, they, of course, they've got their yield control, uh, yield curve controls, 
I, I mean, you know, a big move down. So I guess we can move the yen off the uh, the safe haven list for now, can't we? Yeah, unfortunately for for the yen, yes, it's it's, it's getting uh, a, a beating, if you like. Uh, mm. The the one thing we have to note as well is that the move up in US in US yields today is not just about sort of these dynamics in terms of the data. Um, there's obviously, and, and we will touch on that, what's going on in the UK, um, but also. Um, there's been a huge amount of issuance going on in the corporate market in the US this week, which by many accounts has actually been bigger than what the market was expecting. So we've seen this big, big move up in uh, in the back end of the curve uh, because of that insurance, on, particularly in the 10-year space. So when it comes to dollar-yen, uh, given that yield curve control policy that the Bank of Japan has, uh, big moves in, in 10-year US Treasury yields are, are reflected in, 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 in sort of big weakness, if you like, in, in, in the yen. Um, yeah. Then there's the technical aspect of both the, where Treasury yields are trading. You know, we've moved up that one, uh, that uh, 325 level. So now we are kind of in this 330 area. Um, with the market thinking, well, the next stop has to be around 350. And similarly, when you look at dollar yen, the, the fact that we've broken above 140, um, you look at it on, on, on the chart and from a technical perspective, there's not a lot of uh, resistance at, at these levels. So dollar yen has plenty of room, if you like, um, to, to head towards that 147 level, which was the highs back in 1998. So the market mm -hmm. is, is going to test and it's going to push towards that level. Um, and we think that um, it's going to come to a point where the Bank of Japan is going to pronounce itself. Um, uh, the reality, in our view, is that a weaker yen, um, you know, too much of a good thing can be problematic. And, and while it's true that a weaker yen is good news for the corporate side of Japan, uh, the reality is that um, Japan is suffering, like many others, uh, in terms of trade shock from, from all this energy. Yeah, well, they're uh, the, the net the import dependency. of energy, aren't they? So, and a weaker currency is making yeah, it worse. Yeah. So, um, and, and it's actually affecting households and, and small businesses. So to, to claim that this is good for Japan, uh, it's, it's becoming it's sounding a little bit hollow at the moment. Yeah, particularly as energy prices get worse. And on that, Liz Truss, and, and, and on your, you know, your, your note about issuances, uh, there's going to be a lot of it in the UK because Liz Truss is now the Prime Minister. She uh, she will be officially announcing her policies uh, later on this week. But it seems a, a freeze on the energy cap, well, she sort of said that, uh, which is going to cost the government a lot of money because uh, she is not supporting the idea of windfall taxes on energy companies to pay for this freeze, which is pretty much the approach that's being uh, followed in Europe. Uh, but uh, no, she's going to pay for it all out of out of government money. So basically, it's I think it's going to be £2,000 for 18 months is sort of like the cap when the cap was going to rise to 3549 So basically, it's a, that amounts to a £1,500 subsidy for each household, basically, per, per year. So there's good and bad in this, isn't there? I mean, on the, on the, on the positive side, uh, energy prices aren't going to rise, so that's going to be good for inflation. But on the other side, this is a, a shed load of government money which is being spent here, and that is going to be bad for inflation. So uh, I wonder how it's all going to shake out. Yeah, <clears throat> and so yeah, so I suppose, the, and and the reaction in the market has been interesting in that regard because we've seen a big steepening of the curve. Um, so why is it the curve steepening? Well, we, because these issues, as you say, which. You know, once you add all the numbers, um, and I, I'm not sure you mentioned, but we got to remember that in addition to to all this support that the, that is planned for in terms of that energy uh, cost, um, there's also this uh, you know speculation or promise, if you like, that Trust has said that she wants to 
um, you know, cancel that increase in corporate tax, also uh, yeah. reverse the, the national insurance increase. Um, yeah. So from a funding perspective- Which is, which is going to work the other way. I mean, that's going to push inflation high because people are going to have more money to spend. So it's going to- Well, that, that's the up. thing, right? So so all of mm-hmm. a sudden, uh, there's, there's a behavior question here because um, whilst you're, you're providing a relief in terms of these inflationary pressures, you're not, insti- you're not encouraging the, the consumer and businesses to actually reduce the, the energy consumption. You're making it cheap yeah. for them to consume, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's no sort of um, acknowledgement that actually we should be reducing that. And that's kind of the distinction between what's going on in Europe. Europe's talking about even new measures to, to decrease the demand for energy as we head into winter, whereas the policies that the UK is introducing is to say, well, don't worry about the prices because they're not going anywhere. And, and therefore, yeah. no now you're going to have more behavior. money. And the, yeah, there's no increase yeah. in energy, your consumption will remain elevated. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose that the final point that I really, really like to stress on this is that, um, you know, when we talk about fiscal policy um, and, you know, the government providing support to the economy, it's great if those expenditures that it introduced uh, are generating an increase in productivity or they generate an asset that eventually is going to yield, you know, a cash flow and so on. But when you throw in money uh, of the level of potentially 9% of GDP, which is not going to generate any income, you know, from mm. a funding perspective, um, especially, for, especially for a country that needs to be funded <laughs> by overseas investors, that yeah. generosity from strangers may, may become challenged because you think, well, I'm going to give you 9% of GDP and you're not going to generate any outcome from this. Yeah. So the challenge for, for the UK economy um, will be quite significant in the sense that uh, funding itself uh, under this scenario could become problematic. And of course, the UK is suffering a big terms of trade shock uh, and it remains to be seen how this will play out. Um, you know, the, the, the funding issue, I think, will become a big challenge for, for the pound, yeah. even though it's actually managed to perform on, on the day. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it, but as, as this all starts to emerge, I mean, it does point to a weaker pound, even, even weaker pound, doesn't it? Look, Andrew Bailey is in front of uh, MPs today, along with members of the Monetary Policy Committee. It's going to be pretty hard for him to avoid answering questions about the impact of, uh, of policies such as this. I wonder how brutally honest he's going to be. Yes, I think maybe, like all of us, he, he, he might be able to, to dodge that, that, that answer, be saying we need to wait for more details. Um, but he, it would be helpful if he actually provides a warning and saying what this means uh, for, for the economy if, if these numbers or if these promises do, do plan out. Look, we are seeing signs of softening. I mean, if we ignore those ISM numbers in the UK, so uh, we saw the PMIs revised down. The UK services PMI has been revised down below 50. UK retail sales from the uh, British Retail Consortium year on year for August is down to 0.5% from 1.6% for the year to July. These are based on actual prices. So not 0.5% in a year in real terms. I mean, that means a slide in sales, doesn't it? So things are, uh, you know, that resilience in the UK all of a sudden seems to have disappeared, doesn't it? And then uh, we had OECD inflation numbers as well for July uh, just published, 10.2% year on year, which is lower than June. It was, well, 10.3%. Uh, but of course, oil prices came down. But food inflation has increased from 13.3% in June up to 14.5%. So that's that's not so good, is it? I mean, all, all of these numbers, you got you can look at the top level. You've got to drill down and find out what's really happening. No, it's not good. And and in terms of the dynamics that we expect to, to play out, um, you know, I think it seems reasonable to expect that uh, energy and food prices will become volatile 
uh, or uh, will remain mm. volatile o- over over the next year, if not two years. So there, there's been a bit of a reprieve in terms of the energy costs and, and prices, as we've seen in, in, in oil. Um, but overall, we, we expect another sort of wave of prices, uh, which will also be eventually be reflected in, in the cost of food as well. Yeah, and as we were saying, you know, uh, early on in the week, OPEC can just decide, can't they? If prices get too low, they'll just... Uh, do what they can to jack the prices up. Let, let, let's look at Australia very quickly. The RBA met yesterday. They raised rates. They surprised very few people. 2.35% is now the interest rate, a 50 basis point rise. Uh, we had uh, household spending numbers in Australia, we discovered yesterday, has risen 18.4% on the year to July. This is the 17th month in a row that this number's increased. Clothing, transport, cafes, restaurants, all up a lot. So again, that's good news is bad news. The RBA will be looking at that and thinking we've got to slow that down. Yes. So there, there were a couple of interesting, um, you know, comments, if you like, or, or even missing words in, in the statement that they are encouraging. Um, the, the first comment that we think, we think is really encouraging is that uh, the RBA acknowledges that the, the mortgages payments uh, take time to, to be reflected uh, in terms of the increasing in, in mm. hikes. Um, so again, it, it means that the RBA is, is aware that it needs to be um, patient, if you like, to, to see the impact from, from its rate hikes. Um, you, of course, we know there's quite a lot of us that have fixed rates, uh, and, and those fixed rates will will become floating uh, next year. So the, the full impact of the, the current rate hikes um, are going to take a few a few months to play out. And even for, for variable rates, you know, it takes a couple of months for, for that to be reflected too. So so that's encouraging because that's one of the big concerns that we have, that if, if you keep on hiking today because inflation numbers are high, elevated today, uh, the impact of those hikes are only really going to be reflected in next year. And there's a, there's a risk there of overdoing it. Uh, so that's encouraging. And the other one is, is uh, in the statement at the end, the word normalization and the need for normalization, um, which was present in the previous statement, was one of sort of the narrative that, that was uh, encouraging the, the RBA to do these 50 basis point hikes that we've seen over the past four months. Um, that word uh, has disappeared now. And so it plays to the view, or we think is giving us a hint, um, that there's going to be a slowdown in the pace of hikes. And, and in line with our uh, economy's expectations, we think that the, the next uh, two months, we're going to see 25 basis point increments uh, uh, for the Fed, for, for the RBA then to, to actually take a pause in December and see how, how the economy is performing and, and, and the impact from, from, from these rate hikes as well. So we get the uh, GDP number for Q2 for Australia today, don't we? So what's the expectation for that? Given that the uh, the balance of payments yesterday gave, gave us the highest surplus on record because of the uh, uh, well strong export prices largely accounting for it. Yeah, so I suppose that the first point there is that uh, uh, now that these GDP partials have been released, um, uh, our NAV economies remain of the view that um, the the economy should be quite solid in in terms of the quarter, uh, rising at 0.7 percent quarter on quarter. And with a year on year reading of 3.2, so it's a very nice uh, level of growth and certainly above trend. Um, and then um, in terms of the, the details, uh, you know, it, it's all about the household spending. That's that's the number that we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, and if anything, um, uh, given some of the, the data releases, particularly those retail sales numbers, it may well be the case is actually quite strong and, and may prove to be you know stronger than what we expect, and, and we might get a, a slightly stronger number as well. So for now, the the the, the, the message there is that the consumer is has been travelling fine, but that's the Q2 number. 
Mm. And of course, we know that the challenges that are coming uh, is, is going to change the picture. And we still think uh, that, that we will see a slowdown in the pace of growth in, in Australia to potentially around 1.75 next year, with the risk that it might be slower given those concerns around the global economy. Right. Now, look, the alarm bells are ringing here because we've been talking for too long now. So, I mean, very quickly, China's <laughs> trade numbers today, exports uh, expected to ease. So that's not going to resolve uh, supply issues that we're, we're all facing. So that's probably not good news. Bank of Canada, let's just briefly t- touch on the 75 basis points is expected. That would push the rate over 3%. But some are even suggesting they might go for 100 again, like they did in July. I mean, they do uh, they do have massive amounts of savings, but they also I mean, we just saw GDP soften a little last month. So I guess it could go either way, couldn't it? It could go either way. Um, this it's sort of that that seventy five number uh, seventy five basis points seems a little bit more um, likely mm-hmm. more likely now it, it, there was at one point during the month that it was actually close to ninety so the market was quite um, bullish in terms of how how, how aggressive the, the Bank of Canada will be I think the other important yeah. message here is that like the RBA even if they do seventy five or as we expect um, the message will still be hawkish yeah. uh, that more will be needed and that, that more hikes should be expected over the coming months Industrial well. production for July for Germany we get the second read on GDP for the Eurozone Lael Brainard is talking from the Fed we get the Fed's beige book released US trade numbers for July uh, the RBNZ assistant governor is speaking this morning on the uh, monetary policy implementation as well there's lots to get your teeth stuck into today but uh, we're out of time good to talk rodrigo catch you next time (laughs) thanks phil cheers Incidentally, uh, we've had a problem with our Apple feed uh, on Apple Podcasts over the last couple of days. Possibly it's going to be the same today. Uh, You can listen to this podcast on just about any other podcasting platform apart from Apple. uh, But we are trying to get the the issue with Apple fixed and hopefully we'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, I will be back again tomorrow. Anyway, wherever we are. Uh, I'm Phil Dobby for NAV. I'll see you then. Have a great day.